Welcome guys, it's great to have you with us, whether you're watching online or on demand. I'm Bronwyn, I'm hosting with Wendy. Hi everybody, great to be with you again and great to see you again. Yeah, you too. Are you doing okay? I know we both had a holiday in the lakes yeah. over August, good. good time. Yeah, very good. You? Yeah, I had a great time and you are now back at school. I am indeed, How's yes. it going? Um, it's pretty good, a little weird, all the kind of precautions happening kind of one-way systems and masks and hand sanitizer, but yeah. getting used to it. Good to be back and see friends. Definitely, yes. So good. Well, guys, this morning, um, as Bronwyn said, thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be a great morning this morning because uh, later on we are going to have an interview with a guy called Warren Furman, otherwise known as Ace from Gladiators. Now, I used to be an avid gladiator watcher. I, I've had a conversation with you, Bronwyn, and I don't think you were born when Gladiators no. was on. You have missed out, I'm telling you. If, you. if you used to watch Gladiators, you will know what I'm talking about. Wolf, uh, the brilliant umpire, John Anderson, and all that jazz. So we are going to be hearing from Warren Furman, who uh, was also known as Ace, and we're going to be hearing his story of how he came to know Jesus and the impact it's had on his life. So this is going to be a great morning for us to invite people to come and watch who don't know Jesus yet. So I encourage you, um, share uh, this morning's meeting with people maybe on your social media platform or send the recording to people who don't yet know Jesus because it's going to be a great one for them to tune into. We are going to worship right now just to say great news. In mid-August, the government guidance changed, which means that we can now have multiple singers in a band. And so the great news is we have both Andy and Tim singing this morning. So we're in for a real treat where we're going to be able to encounter God together. So I'm going to hand over to Bronwyn to pray for us as we go into worship. Yeah, yeah Father, thank you so much that even though we are all this way away from each other, that we can't all gather together in the building, we can gather together and worship virtually. Yeah. We're still worshipping the same God. We're still all doing it. And we are still a church, even though... We are not in the building. Yeah. So thank you so much, God, that you are still with us and yeah. that you so love us so much. Amen. God can be called a father. No other God can be called a friend. No other God can be called redeemer. No other God's coming back again. Yeah. No other God can be called a father no other God can be called a friend no other God can be called redeemer no other God's coming back again how we love your you're the beauty 
Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, all my help in times of need. Lord, I can't help.
trustworthy that everything you say is true everything that you are is is constant and faithful God and we just worship you and in this next song we just we adore you God and we, we fix our eyes on you Jesus and you are anchor in the storm that you are a never changing God yes God we worship you is in you in a hope that's here to stay in a hope that never gives way never leaves cause you are the God of my history you are the God of my future you the God of my everyday age to age, you remain. Stand fast, Lord, you are steadfast. Stand fast through all the change. and true 
Trust is in you, and I trust your unfailing word, and I trust your enduring love that never fades. Cause you are the God of my history, you are the God of my future, you. The God of my everyday age to age, you remain steadfast. Lord, you are steadfast. Steadfast through all the change.
in the beginning was light and life and love. A father loving his son in the joy of the Holy Spirit and everything has come from light and life and love. But we look at the world around us and we know it's not like that. We see a world full of darkness and death and disconnection. Where does that come from? Well, we've turned from the light and when you turn from the light, where else do you go but darkness? When you've turned from love, where else do you go but disconnection? When you've turned from life, where else do you go but death? But then, what does love do? When love sees the beloved in trouble, love says, your pit will be my pit, your debts will be my debts, your darkness will be my darkness, your death will be my death. So, who is Jesus? He's the Son of the Father who came as our brother to be with us in the darkness, to take that darkness on himself, that death, that disconnection that we all deserve for turning from God. He took it on himself on the cross. He plunged it down to the hell that it deserves and he rose up again to light and life and love. And he says, you in the darkness, do you want my light? You in death, do you want my life? You in disconnection, do you want my love? And anyone who turns and says yes to Jesus, we now belong to him. We get his father as our father. We get his spirit as our spirit. We get his future as our future. It's for free and it's forever. So, do you want Jesus? Yeah, Father, we just want to thank you so much for your presence with us. We thank you that you are near to us. We thank you that you are big and on the throne and at peace and that you're still in charge. And uh, we glorify you, we thank you, we want to say we love you. And uh, yeah, we just celebrate you this morning. Thank you for your presence, Father. Amen. 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 Well, we just want to thank Glenn Scrivener and the Speak Life team for that beautiful poem and giving us permission to use it. Great. So we're going to do coffee and chat. So after the meeting, you can click on the link and it will take you there. You can get to know some friendly people and ask questions about Christianity, as well as really get to know some of the people in our church. We're also going to be doing offering, which gives you a chance to donate to the church and help us grow and pursue in what God is asking us to do. And that is also on the screen, so you can click on that now. Thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. And uh, I just want to encourage you, we've got our King's Arms Alpha course coming, out, coming up on the 29th of September. It's all going to be online, so you can join from the comfort of your own home. And uh, actually, I experienced massive life change through doing Alpha. It's where I first encountered the Holy Spirit. It's where I got lots of my questions answered in terms of Christianity. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're watching, you, you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to sign up and uh, join this course. Or maybe those of us who do know Jesus, let's be thinking about people we can invite. Uh, all the information for Alpha is on our website, kingsarms.org alpha. And we just want to take a moment now just to pause and in our households, whether we're with other people or on our own, just to take a moment to be with God and to think about who could we invite to this Alpha course? Um, who can we be praying for, our friends and family who don't yet know Jesus, to be asking God to break into their lives? The great news about this course is you can invite friends and family from all over the country. They don't have to be in Bedford. So it's a brilliant opportunity for us. So let's take a moment to pause and think through who could we invite to this course?
Great. Well, I'm super excited to see what God's going to do there. I'm going to be praying for some of my school friends who I know don't know Jesus yet. And I'm going to be praying that they come to learn more about him and that their life will be transformed as they build a relationship with him. Come on. Yeah. Mm. Now, Steve Wilson is going to be doing an interview with Ace from the Gladiators about how his life was transformed by Jesus. And even though I've never watched the show, I am so excited to see his story. Well, it's my absolute privilege right now to welcome you to what is going to be a really special occasion for us because it's not going to be me speaking to you today, but instead what we've got is a fantastic opportunity to interview Warren Furman right now. And mate, we are so pleased to have you. If you were downstairs at King's House right now, what I'd be doing is get, I'd be getting the whole church to stand and applaud and to honour you for thank, thank you to, for coming to share your story with us. And uh, mate, it really is a pleasure to have you with us. So thanks so much for coming down from York. Not at all, it's my pleasure, but I've got to say, I don't talk without an applause, so if you could clap for me, that'd can, just be great. I can do oh, my best. No, no, I'm going to have to try and laugh in all the appropriate places, aren't they? Because there are going to be other people who are listening in as well, but yeah. mate, it really is so good to uh, have you with us. Now, one of the reasons that uh, we've got Warren here is because we've been talking through the summer about the fact that every single person has got their own story. And Warren's got an amazing story about how Jesus has changed his life. And so if you haven't recognised already from the size of his biceps, Warren for many years was no instead as the gladiator ace and so uh, I don't know whether for, for, for you you would have been through the 90s watching gladiator on a Saturday evening as I was but I would have watched these guys throwing themselves um, all sort into all sorts of different challenges and, and competition we had an you know, amazing time on a Saturday night watching these guys with Ulrika Johnson and John Fashionu and the Wolfman and all that stuff and so to, to hear all these years later that God's really got a hold of you is just a phenomenal thing and uh, so I'm really privileged to be able to get the opportunity of hearing some of your story, man. I'm amazed how special Gladiators is in people's hearts, actually. It For seems sure. to have a real nostalgic place. Firstly, you look too young to remember Gladiators, <laughs> so I just think you're being nice right now. I appreciate it. But apparently it was, um, you know, it's, I, get, I get confused because some people say, oh, it's 25 years since the show ended and 30. But the way I see it is, I think it was about the year 2000, actually. It sort right. of come to the end of right. itself. But actually there have been some resurgences because people miss it, you know, so we tried to do some... Some, I think Sky One tried to do a comeback of it for they a while. Did, and yeah, they called yeah. us in, and then we were called legends. Wow, that made me feel old. I bet it did. Sort of wheeled us in and sort of Well, listen, us out. what is interesting though is that, you know, what, what I've been doing, doing with my eldest son is actually going back on YouTube and still watching some of the shows that are there. It's still great television, by the way. But listen, throw us back to that time, mate. You know, it'd be great to hear. Even how did you come up with the name Ace? 
Uh, well, actually, uh, Steve, I didn't. Um, the producers sort of suggested an AMAs, but it's very difficult. So they said, creatively, you can, you know, you can have some input into that. Right. And they suggested Ace. So when they said Ace, I thought, actually, it sounds rubbish compared to all the other. You know, you've got Rhino and the Wolf right. and the Warrior and the Hunter and these things. So when they say Ace, it's like, well, what does that mean? And they tried to sell it. They said, well, you know, it means leader of the pack. Okay. You're the top Trump, which I didn't really like the idea of. Um, but they, they tried to sell it. Anyway, um, I remember getting advice from the other gladiators. And I said, you know, how do you do this? And they said, the most important thing is, is not to sell out commercially. Okay. You're in show business now. And it's a business, you know, I never realized that. And they said, um, you know, there are very important people, VIPs, but there's also CIPs, commercially right. important people. So you're now a commercially important person. So you are essentially, you know, a lot of these companies will sell for you. So you've got to be savvy and think about a great name that commercially is going to serve you financially. So don't sell out and, you know, and get the wrong name. It can go very wrong. And I remember um, it was uh, Mark Griffin who gave me that advice. And uh, he was a great gladiator and, and he, he had got a contract with Hasbro and he had gone from gladiators over to LA and he'd become Action Man. Is that right? So he'd, you know, he'd really done the stepping stones to fame and I was like, okay, I need advice from this guy. Uh, and he said, so don't be like me and get it wrong. And I said, well, your name's not wrong. You're like the mighty wooden horse of Trojan. And he said, well, that's great uh, in England, but when I went to America, a Trojan is a condom. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, okay. Doesn't translate. No, exactly. So he said, you know, you don't want to be named after a condom. He said, so be very careful. So <laughs> um, anyways, so I went back to the producer and said, I, you know, I really don't like the name Ace. I don't see how commercially that's yeah. viable. And they said, okay, McVitie's Biscuits are bringing out a new biscuit and they're bringing one out called the Ace Biscuit. And, uh, you know, if you take that name, it comes with thousands of pounds worth of advertising. And it was at that point I said, I love the name I love Ace. the name. <laughs> I love the name Ace. Wow, fantastic. Well, listen, take us back for a while, though, before Gladiators. Tell us a little bit about your kind of parents and kind of growing up. What was life like then? Uh, so uh, originally I was from Essex, but there, uh, there was a recession. My dad's a roofer. And right. so um, uh, he moved to Doncaster. I don't know why he moved to Doncaster. I think we had uh, friends up there. So I had four brothers. So it was tough, actually. Okay. You know, we moved to a council house. And, uh, and again, he didn't really get a lot of work up there. I remember he used to push a barrow through the streets with a ladder on it. Well. And uh, so it was a struggle growing up. Um, and then one of my brothers died. Uh, oh. And then when that happened, mum stopped saying God bless to us. You know, we wasn't a religious family yeah. or anything like that. But, you know, mum and dad would say things like God bless. That all stopped. Uh, and mum and dad pretty much said, if there was a God, your brother wouldn't have died. Wow, okay. That made perfect sense to me. Yes. Um, but then mum and dad, you know, they went to the doctors and said, you know, how do we deal with this grief? And I think from that point, Steve, they were in arrested development, really, because they were prescribed antidepressants and these sorts of things. And they really started living for the weekend. You know, yes. dad would work hard all week and then at the weekend they'd have some wine and that would get mixed with maybe prescriptive medication. Wow. So it wasn't really, looking back, it wasn't really a, a I didn't really have a happy uh, childhood. Um, and, then, and then we moved back to Essex because London was coming out of the recession, over in Harlow in Essex. So there seemed to be work there and I thought that would be the end to our problems because it seemed to me as well, a lot of our problems were for lack of money. I thought yes. money would solve all the problems. Yes. So when we came back to Essex, um, it didn't really help. You know, we had a bit more stuff, um, but it was, still, it was still not great. You know, I, d I believe we're the sum of our choices. Mum um, and dad smoked and drank. And as far as I could see, is it, to me, it looked like they were on the Titanic because I was like, okay, you're partying at the weekends, start starts off as fun, but then they end up arguing and stuff. Yeah, and so, yeah, it weren't very nice. And I was worried about them. Yeah. I thought, you know, if, you, if you're putting these coughing nails into your mouth, 40 of them every day, you're not going to last for very long. So 
Um, that, that wasn't great. But my dad did say, I believe now he, he had, you know, our best intentions at heart. Yes. But he was living by fear. So he'd say, all of you, to me and all my brothers, will be roofers. Same as him, family trade. Exactly. Okay. You know, he'd say skills pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, dirty hands means clean money. This is great advice. Right. Um, a hard-working guy. Yeah, 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 and an honest guy. You know, but again, you know, I used to think, and he'd say, you know, hard work, play hard, work hard, play hard. But again, I see a contradiction because I'd look at him and think, well, you, but you're not really happy. And actually, you work hard, but we, we you know, we don't really have a lot. And yeah. so, you know, if your mum and dad, who are a massive influence in your life, tell you there's no God, um, and then your dad's saying, you, you, you know, you need to be a roofer, and you're like, well, I don't want to be a roofer. And right. I grew up a bit like times now, you know, celebrity culture. Yes. Uh, I just looked at the celebrities of the time yeah. and thought, well, no, actually, why would I be a roof tiler? A little bit of rain comes in your skin, self-employed. Why right. would I want that job when I could be a movie star on the telly and make millions of pounds? And so it caused a lot of tension between me and my dad because he was like, you're a dreamer. You know, these people have their life, we have our life. Yes. You know, I'd say it's almost like a working class trap because it's, it's that funny mentality that, you know, unless we're being productive, you know, he'd say anything that consumes without producing fails. Right. And so, you know, as a young teenager growing up at home, I'm drinking all the milk, eating all the chicken, all the tuna out the cupboards, and he's saying, well, you're a bum. You're consuming all of my food, right. but you're not producing anything. Your brothers yes. are out working in the school right. holidays, and you want to be some movie star. And so he said to me, uh, you know, unless you've got a job by the time you're 16, I'm kicking you out because I'm not going to enable you to, ju to just be a dreamer. And that's, and that's what he did at 16, he, right. kicked, he kicked me out. Because yeah. so, your passion at the time was for weightlifting and, and you wanted to be that kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger, didn't you, with all the muscle? Yeah, well, looking back, you know, Steve, I think it was a suit of armour, actually, because at school I struggled. I didn't know I have ADHD. It's diagnosed now, but it wow. wasn't then. So, okay. you know, the teacher would be telling me something, but I couldn't seem to learn it. I wasn't okay. stupid, but I'd be more interested in counting the roof tiles across the road through the window, you know, wow. so I couldn't, I couldn't learn anything. So I knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to succeed uh, academically. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, you take God out of the world and it's all about acquisition and competition and it's all about, you know, you get, you get the right exam results right. or you make enough money. Right. And so, you know, in a, in, in a capitalistic democracy, greed seems to be sort of rewarded, doesn't it? So, yes. And it's funny because at school it, I found it a bit of a con uh, contradictory message, message as well because they'd say it's, you know, there was a little bit of collective worship in school. So they'd say it's all put there for us to share. And they'd say, you know, it's all about Jesus in the assembly. And then no one really believed in him. Yeah, and it'd be about, no, it's about you. And it's yes. your, life, your, your whole life's about you and getting your, your, the right, right results and getting a top job, then you'd be happy. So I was really confused, really, through a lot of that. And, and I was bullied as well. So I was a skinny kid. Wow. And so I just found, like, going to the gym and, and, lifting, and lifting the weights, people stopped picking on me, you know. And, and so that kept me out of fights as well. And I thought, this is great. And then, right. of course... We all want to fit, you know, I didn't know my identity fully because I didn't know God. So it was like, oh, okay, so if I can be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and now people want to be my friend, people stop bullying me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People start saying, you look great. Started giving me confidence. I was like, this is great. It's a no-brainer. So Amazing. Yeah. So, so I know it wasn't an easy step, though, into the gladiators because weren't you even homeless at the time? How did that come about? Yeah, well, like I say, my dad kicked me out as he said he would. So he didn't want to enable my delusions. And uh, so if you was homeless in Harlow at that time, it was another recession. They seemed to keep coming round. Right. Um, and so there's no chance of getting any work. So I ended up in the Young Women's Christian Association. The Young Women's Christian Association, all right? Just because there's no y YMCA, so there's a YWCA. Ah, fascinating. But I like to say there's, there's wor worse places for a teenage okay. lad to be, you know. But it was, um, 
it was, I was essentially, if you're homeless, that's where you are, because it's only considered a hostel. Right. And again, a tough time, because Maggie Thatcher was in power. Okay. There was a lot going on. She, was, she bought in the poll tax. So now, not only was I now homeless in the YWCA, now all of a sudden I've got these bills coming in that I can't afford to pay. So wow. it, was a, it was a real grim time, and I'd put all my eggs in one basket. It was like, you know, it's the point of no return. My dad said I was going to be a bum if I didn't go and get some skills to yeah. pay the bills. Yeah. All my brothers are now working, and I'm really homeless. Um, and I'm quickly going into debt. So, wow. so it was a real answer. I say prayer. I used to pray to a God that I didn't know. Yes. Um, but, but, you know, if there is a God there, help me sort of thing. Um, but so how, how did you go about getting into the gladiators? Obviously, that was a, must have been a big turning point in one respect in your life. Um, so I just literally, back then, it was just writing in. So I wrote into the show. So it was the first reality show, interestingly. Right. So many of them now, right? Oh, well, this is all TV now. Yeah. Everything's reality. Everyone wants their five minutes of fame. But that was the first one, just back when there was five channels. One channel had all the money, the golden age of television. That was London Weekend Television. Yes, yes. They had huge budgets so they could produce this great big show. So if you got on there, you would be a superstar. Yeah. It make Pop Idol and X Factor, same producers, by the way, as Gladiators, yeah. but it would make them look tiny right. in comparison to what Gladiators was. It was the golden age of television, so it was like... Okay, well, if I could get on that show, then that's it. I've cracked it. So I just wrote in. You know, an address would come up at the end. If you want to be a contestant on the show, write in and we'll consider you for your next series, you know. And so that's what I did. But I didn't say I want to be a contestant. I said I want to be a gladiator. Wow. A contestant, you can win a car, you can win 15 grand, whatever it is, have a holiday in Mauritius. But I thought, well, no, you want the top job. You want to be like the Wolfman or the Warrior. Or, or I was going to say Jet, but I didn't really want to be <laughs> You don't want to be Jet. Uh, yeah, I've I been did. in the YWCA a while, but I weren't confused. I wanted to be uh, a male gladiator, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so um, that part, though, of you getting in, you know, it wasn't, wasn't there even a story behind that where there was a whole bunch of you getting together, all grizzly men who yeah. were all trying to fight to try and get in? It was horrible. You know, I was just pitted against 60 other people uh, uh, testosterone-filled wow. bodybuilders. I think the lightest fella there was probably 17 and a half stone. That's that probably right? me. Wow. Everyone else, there was these man mountains from, you know, and they'd got them from all over the world as well. So you had these top bodybuilders. So straight away I was like, uh, I shouldn't be here. What am I doing here, you know? Wow. Um, and they pretty much put us all in a school gym and said, fight. Wow. Uh, and so I thought, well, I've got no chance. I'm going to need an edge here. And, and I'd worked it out, I think, because pretty much when you've got this top job on offer and only one person is getting it, you know that you've got to find an edge, you know. And so I thought, well, if this is Saturday night television, I knew that a couple of gladiators had already been fired for aggression and steroids and these things. Yes. So I thought, well, if you, it's got to be controlled aggression and you've got to look the part. Right. So I just really surmised, well, if I can go through this horrific ordeal being beaten up and trying to beat people up with a smile on my face they might think well this guy's in control and so that's essentially what I did you know I just went into that and just tried to smile all the way through it so I got the job well obviously glitzy and glamorous it looked from the outside I mean was it as much fun like you know how how, how did that all start off you've just been selected as one of these new gladiators it was like a dream just like a dream come true you know and it was tough because I remember John Anderson who was the ref he walked in between all these all these guys and they were sweating down they've all been fighting for their lives and he whispered to me in that school gym and he said you've got the job but don't tell anybody because they've got to break it through the media and that, you know, and obviously there's money involved in that. And and then he walked off and then of course all these guys were like, what did he say? I was like, well, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. But everything changed from that point because literally overnight um, uh, I went from being, having nothing and being a nobody 
to being really being famous and being a real somebody. You know, I've made it in a celebrity culture. I was going into the top job. They sent a stretch limousine to the YWCA. It picked me up the next day. <laughs> and uh, I think I, I packed a couple of, I think they were JD bags. I don't think I even had a proper bag. You know, first a few bits and pieces in there. And then they took me to um, Heathrow Airport where I met all the gladiators, Wolf and Jet and First Class Lounge and flew me first class to Mauritius to the gladiators training camp. Wow. Can you imagine? Where everything was free, you just signed it to the room, and you know all these beautiful women around me, and what you know, oh, it was just it was just incredible. And as a bodybuilder, all you ever want to do is eat as well. So all of a sudden, it was this five star hotel. What was it like being on the show? So um, you know, so many people will have will have seen it over so many years. I mean, was was it all uh, the celebration that it looked like from the outside? Yeah, it was high octane. You know, it was people thought it was live. It wasn't actually. We filmed the whole series in one month, but we filmed two shows a day, so it was intense. Wow. And also we'd worked out that 70% of, of, if you didn't get 70% wins, um, you, you could get the sack. It's like a footballer not scoring goals. Right? So there's a lot of pressure in that time. Yes. And of course you needed to be fit for all the games because if you was out on an injury, you could be forgotten and, and our contracts renew, were renewed yearly. Wow, okay. So you were like, well, I want to make sure I'm around for next year. Yeah. So it was a lot of stress, um, but it was, it was exhilarating. It was so exciting playing them games, especially when you're on a winning streak. When you lose, the pressure comes on because you're like, oh, if I lose another one. Wow. Um, a lot of the games were really scary, Steve, really scary. You know, the pole acts trying to get to the top of that. And yeah. if they get their first, you, all your handholds disappear. You just and you throw, throw it down to the floor, right? Yeah, into, into, yeah 40 foot fall onto your head, potentially. Wow. You know, so there's some sky tracks, 40 foot upside down in the arena. So high octane, scary, but um, the great thing about that was after the, you've, you'd canned the series, you got the rest of the year off. Talk about a dream job. Wow. So, you know, you, and, and then, of course, you could live in the glory of it. I'd go into the pub on a Saturday night before I was scared to talk to girls, you know, all of a sudden they had a queuing up wanting to talk wow. to me. And they're like, I've just seen you on the telly. And right. I was like, yep, that's me. I'm wow. the leader of the pack. I'm the ace man. And uh, somebody said to me early on, they said, oh, you know, you'll be affected by this fame. You're quite down to earth now, but that won't stay the same. You'll start believing the hype and you'll become conceited. And uh, that started to happen quite quickly. So at this point, you've got the ladies, you've got the money, you've got the lifestyle in so many ways. But how were you doing kind of on the inside? Like, w w was, it, was it all as kind of uh, pretty and positive as it seemed? It was initially. Um, but like I say, show business is a business. I didn't realise that, you know, and um, current is currency. So you've got to stay current. Okay. Um, and it's a bit like social media now, you know, you show this um, ideal, but it's not the real. Yeah. And it's, it's the same in show business. You show this perfect person, this perfect life, because you're selling something, you know. And so people are like, okay, my life's a bit monotonous and boring, so I read about this gladiator and his girlfriend. And yeah, okay. so this is what was happening. So, so initially it was great because I was getting money for nothing. I was watching my dad work harder than anybody that I knew. Yeah. And I could, make more, more, I could make more money than him in an hour than he could make in a week. Wow. And so I was, I was like, well, it's not the real world, is it? You know, and also I think what, what shocked me is I saw if you was a celebrity, you was at the pinnacle, you know, people followed you, they, yes. you know, that you had uh, fans, you were their idol. I thought once you get to there, that, that's it, you know, you've cracked it. But actually I started to see cracks in celebrity culture quite quickly. Yeah. A lot of people who were big stars at the time weren't who they said they were. Wow. Um, but you're under pressure then because, you know, you're in that, you're going to all the same celebrity dudes and you're, like, and you're like, hang on a minute, in the newspapers, he's this great person with this lovely family, but that's not who he is. He's corrupt, you know, and this is, and so I started to say, oh, and then of course, you know, your big newspapers and tabloids and glossy magazines, they rewarded you for selling lies. Wow. 
So they'd be like, uh, why don't you get engaged this way? I said, well, I don't have a partner. Well, if you could get a partner and get engaged, we could give you this many thousands of pounds. Wow. And actually, if you tell us a salacious story about where you've, you know, maybe, uh, you know, made love or whatever, we can pay you more. Wow. So it's a strange place for a young man to be because yes. it's like, hang on a minute, not only am I being, getting money for nothing, really, yes. all of this, you know, I'm not the wheels of industry. I'm not working hard like my dad. I'm not working class. Yes. I'm just some almost fake, a pawn in a game that's selling this perfect life that's not perfect. Wow. Um, and of course, then I learned the paradox of pleasure, which nobody had taught me, which, the, which essentially just means the more you get of something, the less it satisfies. Huh. So, you know, when I had all this, the, you know, the new convertible car, I'd think, yeah, I've got it, I've made it. And then they bring out a new shape. And I'd be like, oh, no, my neighbor's got the new shape. I need to get that now. Yes. So I thought that, you know, this would bring me, a lot of this would bring me freedom, but actually it brought me more bondage. And I think the main thing, looking back, I was looking for identity. I wanted to be accepted. You know, we're in a time where we're supposed to be independent individuals, but we're born for community. So I really wanted to be accepted, but I found that having that money and that fame separated me from my friends. Wow. Because they were like, oh, you're not the same person. Oh, you've got a lot of Klingons around you. Wow. At the time, I thought, oh, well, they must be jealous. I don't understand, because you're yes. just caught up in your own bubble. Yeah. Um, so actually, I found it quite lonely. You know, I could have, and, and I understand it now. You know, if, you, if you've got a group of mates and you go to the pub on a Friday and all of a sudden one of them's got everything he wants, all the money he wants and he ain't even got to go to work, it's a bit depressing for you, isn't it? I could see why they wanted to stay away. Yeah, and it must have got harder, I assume, when Gladiators came to an end. Oh, yeah, but I mean, looking back now, I see it was a massive blessing. Interesting. Because, you know, I thought I was the bee's knees. I thought I was the leader of the pack. When so many people telling you you're great, yes. telling you you're the ace, yeah. you start believing this nonsense. So when it first came to an end, I was like, oh, no, it was like the golden ticket in Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. Right. You know, it's like, you've lost it. It's all gone. Um, but, but, but then, you know, I started to see a little, bit, a little bit through it. You know, I was a bit like, oh, hang on a minute. All these friends I had, these hundreds of friends that have vanished. My mobile phone literally stopped ringing overnight. Wow. And I was like, oh, maybe my brothers and my close friends were right. Maybe these people were only in it for what they could get. So is that when your kind of spiritual journey started? I know that you tried to explore, you know, is there a you know, higher power? Is there some more to life than this? Yeah, I think in light of what you said with, you know, on the, you know, on the, on the outside, you look like you had it. Well, that's exactly where I was. So mm -hmm. on the outside, you know, I had the big muscles. I had, the, you know, the page-free girlfriends. I had the fast cars. I right. had the nice houses. But on the inside, I was spiritually bankrupt. I knew that. Uh, and also, I was dead spiritually, but I was aware something was missing, but I didn't know what. And of course, you know, when you're rewarded for this poor behaviour as well, it's like, I felt like I was in darkness. Yeah. It was just a real strange place to be. And show business was a real lens into that. It sort of magnified it. You know, you're walking down red carpets and you've got bottles of uh, crystal and, and, and glitter and stars. You've got all of these things, but, and everyone goes, oh, good for you, darling, and gives you the air kisses and these things, and then behind your back, they're putting a knife in. Wow, okay. So I'd seen that. Yeah. I'd really had a lens in, and then I looked, of course, looked further back, and I looked at your Elvis Presleys and your Marilyn Monroes, people we still celebrate today, who died horribly in drug addictions, yet we still celebrate them as the king of rock and roll and stuff, and it's like, hang on a minute, they were consumed by darkness. What yeah. are we following here? Yeah. But as I say, because mum and dad said there was no God, you know, if someone knocked on the door when we was young, if someone was doing some outreach, mum and dad would be like, quick, I'd be on the sofa with Bible bashes. <laughs> Turn the lights off. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so it was, you know, I was like, okay, really suspicious of, uh, bear in mind as well, Steve, I had a very hard heart. Okay. If I'd been in show business and you get nothing for nothing in this world, and I've been at the pinnacle of where it's supposed to be great, you know, when I go to a church, I think this must be, this must be a crutch for, for, for cripples in that, 
if I have a problem and I can't cope with society, right. this is where I come. And right. as a macho man, you know, you want to sort it all yourself. Yeah. And you want to, yeah. So I was like, no, nah, I'm not buying into all, the, into all these things. But I knew something was mi missing spiritually, so mm. I went on a real spiritual search. And when I say, I mean, it was an intensive search. Okay. I searched everywhere okay. but except the Bible. But what was interesting, talk about Bible buffet, every time I looked at a spiritual book, you know, whether it's an esoteric teaching, whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, whether it was New Age, they all spoke about Jesus. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, and I was like, what, why do they keep speaking about this Jesus? Yes. Why are billions of people following this Jesus? It, did, it started to confuse me, but actually also irritated me. Because I was like, well, why don't you do your own thing? Why you got to keep ripping this fella off and his teachings? You know, but they'd say Jesus, and then they'd say, and me. <laughs> you know, Jesus right. and me. Um, so I found that I found that quite confusing, um, but I spent a lot of time and a lot of money, and I studied all the atheism stuff, and, you know, and even even like your conspiracy theories, you know, a lot of people were buying into Dan Brown and say, "Oh, is this going on? Right. Is that going on?" Right. So I'd look into all of this stuff, and I realised I could spend all this money and go on all these courses, but. but with the atheism, you know, with your Dawkins, Hawkins, Squawkins, I read all of them things, <laughs> and I found that you can give them the money, but yes. to me it was a bit like a pyramid scheme. They're flying around the world telling everyone there's no God. They've got absolutely no proof of that whatsoever. Yeah, okay. They don't liberate anybody spiritually. Well, but we're supporting them by giving them our money, going, oh, I'm, I'm empty. There was no, there's no spiritual liberation here. Yeah. Um, and it was only, again, by the grace of God that later on somebody invited me uh, on an Alpha course. But as I say, I discounted churches, wouldn't go near them. I'd once met a vicar and said, you know, what do you do in here? And I was searching. Well, you're going to have to fill in the gap, though, because, you know, you're looking into all sorts of spiritual things, but not wanting to go to a church. How did you end up on Alpha? Uh, well, there's a guy that lived near me, actually, and uh, he's a multimillionaire, and he had a couple of helicopters and a private jet. Wow. Wealthy guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I heard that he had a, a bit of a, a bit of a like gentleman's club in his garden and stuff. And, and, and somebody, actually, a neighbour of mine, said, you should come there on a Friday. It's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a fellowship. You should come round there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go round to meet this fella. And I went round there, and uh, this guy's serving me, and, and you know, he's giving me, because there's free, free lunch and stuff, he's giving me some food and all that. And he said, do you want this? Do you want that? I said, no, no, I just want to meet the lads, the fella's name's Julian. I said, no, no, I just want to meet Julian. He's like, that's me. I was like, oh, man. That's, that's <laughs> he's the one who's serving you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I found that weird. And I thought, if you're this, because everyone I've met who was famous or with power before, Interesting. they were identified by their position and their possessions. Yeah. You saw the Rolex, you yeah. saw the Bentley. You know, they made a big, they were always fashionably late, coming in, I'm the big I am, here's a fella that's serving me. I thought, hang on, that's a bit weird. And then when they started talking about Christianity, I was like, I was like surely not, this geezer can't be a Bible basher. If, surely, if you're following God and the Jesus of the Bible and stuff, you've got to give everything away. Huh. Jesus turns up on a donkey, not in a Learjet. You know, I just I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so I remember going back to my wife and saying, this Julian fellow, he's one of your mob. I mean, he's a Bible basher. So it doesn't make any sense. Why would he need to recruit me for a church? He's got all this money and all this wealth. What's he doing? And so that was really confusing to me. But actually, it was on the Alpha course um, that the gospel was explained to me. Right. And that's the first time, isn't that sad? You know, that was the first wow. time, 44 years, I think, and somebody actually explained the gospel. Yeah. You know, you're separated from God by sin. I was like, what? Hang on a minute, you're telling me about this loving God, the creator of the universe, and I'm the apex, we are the apex of creation, we're the top of creation, right. created in his image, and he loves me, but I'm separated from him. Well, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. Right. And he says, yeah, but I don't think you really understand what sin is. Yeah. You know, that's his love and his unconditional love, and the reason you're separated is for a love to be true love, you have to invite it in. This is how it works. And guess what? You're living in the golden age of God. I was like, what? What are you talking about? He said, oh, well, 
you know, in Old Testament times, it was quite hard to be in a relationship with God. You had to keep sacrificing because the flesh will want to go its own way, do its own things, but right. you're in the golden age of God. He's pouring out his spirit. What's, what's, what spirit? He said, oh, that's the supernatural power of God. It's, it's part of the Trinity. It comes, he, he, he will come and live inside you. It's like, what? This, can you imagine? For me, that was just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And it took me probably the six weeks of the Alpha course to really wrap my head around it. And because, again, I was so cynical, I had to go and examine the evidence. I had no idea of all this uh, uh, evidence of Jesus Christ. I was checking out the Dead Sea Scrolls in London, going to the British right. Library, looking at the, John's Gospel. Yeah, yeah, been there. Yeah. The, the first um, uh, Codex Sinaiticus, the first Bible written in, in one form, nearly a couple of thousand years old. Yeah. I was like, I've been reading all these atheist books, you know, seven billion years ago when you was a frog. This happened <laughs> right. and then you became a monkey. And I'm like, what? I can't wrap me around this nonsense. You can't prove any of this. And now all of a sudden I'm dealing in just a few generations, really, a couple of thousand years that God's revealed himself through his son. And it's the most exciting time in human history yeah. to be alive. And actually the Bible is pretty much a finished book. And there was a creation, there was a fall, there was a redemption, and now there's a consummation. You're living in that age. Wow. And you can be part of it. You've been trying to build your empire all your life, chasing all this nonsense in the world, money, fame. But actually the, all empires fail, but the kingdom of God remains and actually you can have eternity all your sins the slate wiped clean come on and you can move into your your divine purpose you know i'd always been pursuing happiness which was fleeting now all of a sudden i'm being told no there's a joy that's not happiness it's a peace a freedom that you've probably you've clearly never experienced before so as all this was being told to me like i said it took me a while to wrap my head around it yeah. but when i finally in my heart i mean i'll be honest early on i, I conceived that jesus was the son of god but I think mean, with a hard heart, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact uh, that I could be filled. He'd come and be beside me and I'd be yeah. filled with his power. Yeah. And, uh, and even to learn that I was born to be a blessing, life was about giving, not getting. Because again, it's another par divine paradox, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You've been told all your life, it's about getting, get what you can, prove yourself. Now all of a sudden, no, no. You, you move into your divine calling, you're yeah. born to be a blessing. Yeah. Jesus came that you can have abundant life now and a glorious life after. Yeah. He will give you an abundant life. And as you pour out, you'll pour in. Just these things just blow my mind. Oh, and so it so took good. me a while to wrap my head around it, but, and to even say the prayer. Yeah, so, so and what, what changed in your life? Like, did you find immediately overnight things were different? Uh, no, actually, and I expected that. I think I've been watching too many Bruce Almighty films, you know, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I said that prayer and it was great the way it worked, actually, because, and I think this is why we need to be really uh, intentional and actually overt with our faith, because it took somebody brave enough, a curate, a young curate, to step across the room and, and challenge me at a point, you know, because I was on the Alpha course with my wife, who right. always has identified as being Christian. And so there was a point in that course where I, I think they knew I was getting to that point of making some sort of commitment, but my heart was too hard. And I remember, I remember saying in front of everybody on the Alpha group, I said, I said just to just clarify one thing for me, and it was in front of everyone, and he, and he said, what's that? I said, so you're telling me that I'm one prayer away, one prayer, just say something with my mouth, I'm one prayer away from uh, having all my sins, anything I've done bad, completely forgiven. Right. So I'm seen as righteous in the, the creator of the universe's eyes. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and, but I'm one prayer away, that same prayer away from living forever in the, you know, in, 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 with God. Wow. 
in paradise, you know, not paradise, but going to you know, heaven and going into the, his eternal purposes, as opposed to spending eternity without him. I said, yeah. I said, and lastly, bear in mind, I've been spending my life wanting superpowers, and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is, which is the third part of the Trinity, which is God's power will come and live within me, right. and I can do what Jesus did and more. He ascended and said, you could do what I did and more, like supernatural, miracle stuff. And he went, yeah. And I went, and this will cost me nothing. And he went, yeah. I said, so I'll be born to be a blessing. He said, yeah. I said, my wife's a Christian. And he went, yes, I know. I said, there's no evidence of this supernatural ah. power in her whatsoever. Wow. And then it went quiet in the room. And, and, and he went to me uh, and I said, so, you know, you're telling me we're born to be a blessing. My wife's a lovely woman. She looks after me. She looks after the kids. But she's not, it's not, she's not going out there doing Jesus' work. She's not his hands and feet. And she'll admit that. And I wasn't trying to be derogatory, no, but I was no. trying to catch him out. Yeah. And he said, Warren, I said, what? He said, you're right. And I was like, no way, I've got a cure on my side and a bit of a domestic here. Uh, but then he said, and that's the intentional bit, he said, you're right. This is about a relationship. It's about the reality of knowing God and being in a relationship with him and inviting him in. Wow. What are you going to do about it? And I said, well, what do I need to? Okay, I'll do it. And it was at that point that I said that prayer. Mate, it's so good to be able to hear this. Now, obviously, one of the things that we've been doing is inviting people to come and listen to your story. Your life has changed so much and yeah. you've been through so much. Yeah. But what would you say to people who right now were considering, oh, maybe I'll join the King's Arms online alpha course? You know, what would your encouragement be to them? So I would challenge anybody, you know, what is the purpose of your life? You know, scientists might tell you how about a few things, but yeah. they'll never tell you why. Right. And so I know from my experience, the most important thing that you can do in your life is find out your divine purpose, the real meaning of your life. Because at some point, there's trapdoors beneath, beneath us all. We're all moving up the queue. Everyone's dying. I know it sounds grim, but we are. No one lasts forever. And at some point, that trapdoor will open. And the simple choice is, do you want to fall into the loving arms of God? Or don't you? <laughs> do, you want to, you know, do you want to turn away from God? And the Bible don't say good things about that, does it? Right. But of course, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole purpose on your life. You've been created for a reason. And I think to go through this life and to miss that, you can't afford to do that. And so my experience has been, has been phenomenal. I've lived more in the last six years of knowing God and being in a relationship Come with on. him than I have for, for, you know, the 20, well, my lifetime before. Yeah. Because, you know, you're searching, you're always confused. So I would say to anybody, um, come along, ask the questions, you know, uh, uh, you know, and if you have preconceived ideas or you feel like you're being recruited, ask. You know, ultimately, you know, we do live in a post-truth uh, fake media culture. You right. get views instead of news. You know, the church is the one place that you can come to where you're going to get truth. You're going to get unconditional truth, yeah. unconditional relationships. You know, people born to be a blessing. They don't want anything from you. You know, this isn't... This isn't some strange club to be a part of, but actually you can come into your divine purpose. So come on, Alpha. <laughs> Listen, mate, I so appreciate your time. I so appreciate you sharing so passionately about all that's been kind of going on in your life. And listen, a couple of things just to share really practically for a moment in the midst of uh, thanking Warren. First of all would be that um, if it is the case that even right now there's something resonating in your heart that you think, Do you know what, I want to know the same thing that Warren's been talking about. I want to know what it means to have a relationship with God. Then I would say you've got nothing to lose by even pressing the button that's going to appear on your screen right now. We'd love even, you know, even at the moment to have one of our ministry team talk to you and connect with you about what that means to know Jesus personally, but also just to encourage you to get along to Alpha. And then the final thing would be to say that what Warren's agreed to do is tonight at eight o'clock, uh, we're going to be doing a live Q&A on both the King 
King's Arms Facebook page as well as the King's Arms YouTube channel as well. So if you want to join us, we're going to have a chat again, but it's also the opportunity where you can put your questions direct to Warren. So whether it is something that you want to ask him about, some of the stuff he's been talking about, whether it's past challenges and, you know, we might press into some of the stuff that, you know, you talked previously, I know about steroids or about relationships and about different things that were great highs as well as the great kind of lows of life, but also about what it means to really know Jesus personally. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining us, Warren. So appreciate your time as well. God bless you, my friend. My pleasure. God bless. Well, thank you so much, Warren, for sharing all about your story. It's so inspiring to hear about how Jesus has changed your life. Thank you also, everyone, for joining us. It's been great to be together. And uh, just a quick reminder, if you do want to connect with people and perhaps you're new or just want to have some time to connect with friendly people, do go ahead and click on the coffee and chat button that's on your screen now. And also, if you are wanting prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray with you. I know Andy mentioned at the beginning of worship about Phoebe being healed from the dairy intolerance, and that was over the online chat. So do click on the live prayer if you want any prayer. Our online hosting team would love to pray for you. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us and uh, have a brilliant, brilliant week. Let's go again. Welcome guys, whether you're joining us online or on demand. I just completely blanked. Which is uh, of us, of, uh, sorry. Ah! Can I just say, you, you are, can I just say, you're giving me brilliant material for the first slot of this hosting. She's going to be dropping Josh names. John, Josh John had a gladiator party and Tom, Tom, Tom Whitbread bought a poster of Jet. I'm not going to say that be interviewing Ace. Contender, ready. <laughs> what? Gladiator ready. Oh, yeah. Oh. Gladiator ready. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs>